What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns, and we have a weekend edition of the podcast for you. A reminder about things you can find on the website, okay? Uh, we have had recently several different things post, including our daily mock drafts. We had a uh, analytics piece by Cody Sook where he studied Jarvis Landry and the quandary kind of around whether keeping Jarvis is something feasible and what price point and other options that are out there that you can take advantage of if you're Cleveland that could do some similar things. Anthony Reinhardt also took a look at how much investment the Browns have actually done along the defensive line and whether they care about that position the way we think they do compared to the rest of the NFL. The data might surprise you. Both of those pieces are VIP pieces. Go check those out. Also, you will find a Friday edition of the podcast with John Colosimo where we went over we're really a conversation that went a bunch of different places from the Batman to uh, some, some conversations built around AFC quarterback rankings. And um, then from the AFC quarterback rankings, we touched on Baltimore and the contracts that are looming with this guaranteed money, which we're going to talk a little bit about with our guest today, but then also uh, took a quick look at the Denzel Ward discussion around a trade for him and the future of his time in Cleveland, all of that. So some good conversation there for your Friday episode. So check that out if you can. And we had Jeff Risden on on Thursday, uh, which is worth your time for names to him that the Browns have to get at pick 44. So all of those pods are out there for you to find and have plenty of good content for what is coming for the Browns. Today's episode, I think, is really good. I like our guest. I like our topic. Uh, you know him. We'll reel it in here in just a second. And... Um, it centers around the quarterback discussion, which is not going anywhere anytime soon. And more than that was some discussion on where the Browns fit amongst their AFC peers collectively and what they need to still rectify on this roster. So let's get to our interview here, our weekend conversation with ESPN's Jake Trotter. All right, welcome in ESPN's Jake Trotter to the show. Jake, how are you, man? Hang it in, Jake. It's been a long off season, and we're not even halfway through it yet. <laughs> it's been, it has been a long off season. I, I I think that's putting it mildly. It's been weird. It's been unexpected. All the above, man. And I think you've been at the forefront of covering this and doing a nice job. And you know, I wanted to I wanted to really get your opinion on a couple things. We'll start with we'll start with Baker. I think the the thing that we as we sit here now, we're weeks removed from the Watson decision, we're weeks removed from the letter Baker sent out. There's a little bit of rumblings about a podcast he's going to be on coming soon and I think the question, Jake, is less talent. I think you and I both know that he has talent. We've talked about the ways in which that talent has been uh, maybe not fully effective in the NFL the way we thought it would be, but it has felt like the pendulum has swung all the way in this opposite direction of now Baker Mayfield's a starter, a pre-2021 extension candidate, to now nobody wants him. And I just would like, as you are connected with a lot of folks, like is this as simple as it boils down to the Browns truly lacking any leverage or is it more than that in terms of, you know, cause, because I think it's safe to say, Jake, when franchise quarterbacks hit the market, these guys get bought up quickly. It's a hot commodity. So is it a, is it a mixture of people don't believe in Baker the way that we thought maybe they, they believed in him and the Browns putting themselves in a tight spot with, with little leverage or is it more than that? Baker's rubbed some people the wrong way in his past or something. I'm just looking for your comprehensive analysis of where things sit with Mayfield right now. Yeah, Jake. I mean, I think it's a combination of a lot of different factors. You, you mentioned some of them. Um, you know, let, let's just start with the, you know, this, this, this time of year, a lot of teams have already moved forward with their quarterback plans. Mm -hmm. so, that, so I think that's one. Uh, not necessarily number one, but that, that's one thing. You know, there's just 
you look around the league, who needs quarterbacks? Uh, who needed quarterbacks two weeks ago? Um, you know, three, four, five teams maybe. So th- there's just not a great market at this point in the year, any year, for a guy who's not a top five, top seven quarterback in the NFL. Um, I think the contract is a huge part of this. Um, you know, the jury is still out on, like, what kind of quarterback Baker can be in the NFL. I mean, I think it's pretty clear, you know, he's not at the level right now and probably won't get to, uh, you know, of a, of a Mahomes, of a Josh Allen, et cetera. Um, but, you know, we have seen him play at the level of, like, a fringy top 12 quarterback. I don't think it's unreasonable to believe that Baker Mayfield – could be like a top 18 quarterback in the NFL. In other words, a kind of middle of the road starting quarterback. I don't think that that is like an outlandish uh, claim to make, but you know, he's making $19 million fully guaranteed. And that's not flyer money, right? That's, this is our starting quarterback without a doubt money. So I think, I think the contract is, is a big part of it. You mentioned the leverage. I mean, the Browns have none right now. Everybody knows. I mean, Andrew Barry can say whatever he wants. Like, they're not going to, you know, bring him to camp next year. It's just not happening. So, they don't have any leverage. And, um, you know, teams are just waiting, waiting this out. Um, you know, you, you, you look at the way Baker played last year. Uh, you look at the way he played 2020. Like, I think teams have differing opinions on what they believe he is. But, you know, he's coming off shoulder surgery that's another factor um, in, in all of this. And, so, and, and then, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we want an adult in the room. I mean, people notice that comment. Uh, you know, people kind of are aware of, um, you know, the, the, the fraction in the locker room, uh, you know, post Odell forcing his way out. I mean, I, and, you know, teams are not stupid. So do you think, think that, that, that do, do you think that adult in the room was more? I think people have misconstrued that that quote, and I don't know who it came from, and I don't know that it's fair to even speculate who it came from. But like, the the, the adult in the room has been people taking it as an adult, as as a comprehensive person, and to me, it has felt more like football leadership adult. Is that the way you've taken it, or have you taken it further than that? It doesn't matter what you or I take it as. It it, it matters what Baker took it as and what other teams view the Browns That's fair. Uh, taking yeah. it as. And so, I mean, listen, I don't know who told Mort that, but I can tell you who Baker Mayfield thinks told him that, and, and that's Jimmy Haslam. And yeah. so, I mean, Jimmy was so aware of it, he brought it up, you know, unprompted, I think, in his Zoom call. Oh, well, you know, I know Baker thinks it was me, it wasn't. You know, who knows? And by the way, you know, whether Jimmy said it or not, I think he thinks it. You know, I think he thinks it. I think the Browns think it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think as one, you know, front front office person put it toward me, like if the Browns wanted to trade him so badly, maybe they shouldn't have trashed him on the way out so much. I mean, this this is not someone, you know, this is not necessarily a Baker, you know, lover or Baker hater. This is just somebody else on another team making an observation. So um, I think all of that is playing into this. And you know, I think the outcome is going to be similar to what Odell happened with Odell. You know, the, the, the Browns act like this is unprecedented situation. I mean, just a few months ago, they, they bought out Odell Beckham and sent him on his way. And so I think that's what's going to happen with Baker. And it, at, at the very least, that's what other teams think is going to happen here. Like yeah. Baker's, not getting, Baker's not getting traded yeah. unless 
there's like a devastating injury somewhere between now and the end of minicamps. Okay, because that was what I was going to ask you. You don't think a team like post-draft maybe misses on a quarterback they wanted? Then I don't know. There's the likely suspects here, which feel like Carolina and Seattle are about it. Those, those teams would have traded for Baker already. Yeah. I think they're going to trade for I mean, okay. I can't say that it's impossible, Yeah. but if you're asking me if that is likely, I don't think that's likely. I think that, I think that uh, after the draft, I think the Browns may realize, you know, we still can't trade this guy. And then I think at that point, you know, they're going to have to come to the realization they're probably going to have to negotiate a release. Again, similar to what they did with Odell Beckham Jr. And, and by the way, the money, you know, Odell was making last year, I don't think it was too dissimilar from what Baker is set to make in 2022. I think Baker makes a little more, but it's not, you know, crazy more um, than what Odell was making. Yeah, too, it's like the Browns will try to play the the patient part because they don't owe him any money until the season starts. But to your point, I think it's fair to assume if somebody really wanted him, like Seattle, like Carolina, they would have gone after him by now. Even with the draft plans, you never want to go into the draft hunting. And maybe that, maybe I don't know, maybe there's a small chance they're holding out to the end. But it, it, as far as this buyout goes, I don't have much NFL buyout experience. I know you mentioned Odell, and I don't know the granular nitty gritty details of how that ended up working out but I know in the NBA sometimes you'll see these guys get buyouts and 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 the player will come to an agreement on a lesser figure something something to get there an opportunity to get out on the market and pick their next destination knowing how you know Baker do you think that that is a realistic outcome that they could settle on like a 14 million buyout and then he can pick his own spot he's willing to come off that or do you think there's enough animosity here where he says hey man I want my 19 if you're cutting me no, I think what would be likely would be so let let's say another team wants to pay him three million next mm-hmm. year. I'm totally making this figure up, right? This is not a reported number. This is a sort of a for the hypothetical that that you're laying out. So um, let's say somebody says, you know, we're, we're, Baker, we're going to sign you as soon as you're cut for three million. Well, then Baker might say, okay, well I'll negotiate. You know, I'm supposed to pay eighteen nine. So I'll negotiate that down to sixteen nine with the Browns to get out of here. Awesome. I'm going to make the same amount of money, yeah. but you know it, it's going to come from two different places. I mean, I don't think Baker wants to sit out 2022 for spite. And and I, you know, I would say this too. And and we haven't even got a chance to ask anybody the Browns this because there's just been so much other stuff going on. But I'd be curious to why the Browns would be so eager to do Odell Beckham a solid, right? Hey, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna send you to waivers. So you end up with a team you don't want to play for, um, versus, you know, holding on to Baker through the 2022 season. Like, where's the consistency there, right? Yep. Um, especially, I mean, you know, listen, I know it's it's popular for people to trash Baker now, but Baker accomplished a lot more as a Cleveland Brown than Odell Beckham did. And I don't remember, you know, Baker in his first year telling people to come get me at Cleveland, the way, you know, Odell reportedly did. So if, if now, listen, it's got ugly now, but it got ugly with Odell at the end. So I, I don't know why there would be a, dis, a, you know, an inconsistency in the way they would operate where, you know, they're going to, they're going to hold on to Baker forever, you know, through the 2022 season. I don't even know how that would work from a roster uh, management standpoint, you know, versus uh, what they did with Odell, because the the situations again, I think at the end of the day, are kind of similar, right? Yeah, I think I think they're pretty similar. I think you're 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 right about 
the questioning of that situation. Why would they do this for Odell and not for Baker? My guess, my only guess, is they're trying to hold out any hope they can to get something for him, and they will do that eventually. Um, I, again, that's right. me. That's me totally guessing. I, I like you, Jay, cannot imagine that this strings into the late summer and potentially into camp. Like, I cannot, I cannot see how either side wins of that. And if somebody does a spite move here, either Cleveland or or, uh, and I know, and I know, I, I too agree with you about the Jimmy Haslam thing. I really do because the hastiness with which the Baker trade request became public and the speed at which the beat guys, the national beat guys, got that we're not trading him told me only one person could do it that quickly without even without even checking it's been obvious jimmy's been the vocal part of this thing so i guess with jimmy there i guess there could i just i I don't understand how either side benefits period from that so i i just hope it doesn't come to that because i do think at this point with both sides an understanding of we did some good for each other when we were together this has ended poorly no way around it it's ended poorly Let's just separate, and, and, and I do hope that they come to some sort of agreement that they can work that out, because it would be really ugly. I just would hate to see spite on either side last long here, and I'm, that's why I'm interested in what Baker has to say uh, in a podcast form, and, and if he goes down <laughs> that path, right? Like, I, I, don't, I hope not, but I guess it's possible. So, I mean, yeah, and what would be the point of, like, keeping him under contract through 2022 season? Because he's no. not play- – I mean, Andrew Barry can say whatever he wants, but – for him to suggest that Baker Mayfield is going to be the third string quarterback this year or whatever, like that, he, that he's going to go to training camp and that's going to happen. And then if Watson gets suspended, we've got Baker Mayfield. I mean, it's just completely ridiculous. That's not going to happen. So uh, I think you're right. I mean, I think eventually, you know, it's going to, what we all think is going to happen is going to happen. But again, I, I just, I don't, I don't buy that there's any chance that Baker's on the roster next year, despite you know, what we, you know, this is what we've learned. Like, watch what people do. Don't necessarily watch what they say perfectly when it comes said. to stuff like this. Yeah, perfectly said. Let, let's shift to, to Watson real quick. I, I, you've, you've done the, the presser. You've been around. You, you've, you've, you've answered questions from people far more important than me about this. I just want to ask you about the player. If you remove everything else, do you think the player is worth what they paid? Do you think the player is, is, the, is the upgrade that, that people think? Do you think he's the player on the field uh, um, among the locker room? Is it a deal that was that was worthwhile from a player perspective? Well, I don't think you can separate the player from the person or the allegations because it's all part and parcel of all this. Um, and even if we're just talking about football, you know, there, there's a, there's a you know I think a pretty decent chance at least that you know he gets suspended a significant number of games. And you know, as long as these civil lawsuits continue on and they're not settled. There's going to continue to be new information. There's the potential for new allegations. I think people um, are going to see this is going to stay in the news cycle um, because, the, again, it's, it's, I mean, imagine that the, there are, in fact, 22 different civil trials next year, which is what the trajectory is at the moment mm-hmm. um, if neither side settles. So, you know, I, and, and I, I, think, uh, I think other people who are at league meetings reported that, you know, that um, – that their you know other owners were missed by this deal for a number of reasons, but um, I, I will say this: like Deshaun Watson when he was playing last um, in 2020, I I like remember thinking to myself, like this guy is, I, I don't understand why this guy's not getting more 
credit as like a top five quarterback in the NFL. Like that's what I think of him as a player. But mm-hmm. I mean, are you telling me that he's worth eighty million dollars more guaranteed than any other player in the NFL? I, I don't know how to answer that because I mean, it's just it's a uh, you know it's it's, 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 it's an unprecedented contract. So I, I I don't I mean, what do you what do you what do you make of it? Um, you know, also given the fact that it, it does feel like the salary cap more and more is becoming kind of a fake thing in the NFL. It's not like a real, not like a real cap. Like the NFL economics are so difficult to follow when you compare it to NBA economics, which are so much more straightforward and like, for lack of a better word, real. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, I listen, I, much like you, it's hard to ask, answer the question I asked because they 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 cannot be separated. So I get it. I totally get it. I'm when I try to say like is this guy on the football field and your answer about the 2020 season, that's what I'm trying to I guess that's what I'm trying to get to the root of. I think there are a lot of really smart people yourself included who are doing a good job of covering everything. So what I'm trying to do is get to the bottom of is this guy that they gave this to and I understand this is an unprecedented free agency situation. I know he wasn't a free agent, but he was literally an in his prime quarterback free agent who took LeBron like meetings. I mean, this was as close to, to peak quarterback free agency as we'll ever really see. I mean, uh, so it was different. It was a unique situation in that regard. So what I tried to decipher is like, is he worth that? Now I'm not through everything. I need to rewatch every game. I need to rewatch every snap. So I was trying to decipher that. I like you before everything hit the fan, before he held out, then before the allegations started, was blown away by some of the way he was able to answer questions and talk through mental processing and how far I was very much, I wanted them to take him back in 2017, but I thought early in his career that he was getting away with some things that I was like, I'm not sure long-term this is going to work for him. So I was very interested like where it would keep going and he just kept kept getting better. By 2020, he had sort of mastered this ability to be uh, pocket uh, this guy who could break tackles make people miss in a condensed pocket L- more of the story I'm not going to bore everybody with that. I think he's pretty good I think he's pretty good but there's a non-zero and I've said this Jake and I want I'm curious what your thought is there's a non-zero chance that this whole thing has changed everything about him as a player too where you are now like a most of these guys Deshaun included and I've gone on previous episodes of this pod I've equated it back to LeBron and like when LeBron left for Miami he was not used to being the villain and that had an impact on him initially how Deshaun handles people all not loving him in a public platform I think is going to be really interesting because clearly He's playing for the Browns, whether it's suspended initially or not, or whenever that shakes out, he's going to eventually suit up for Cleveland. So I'm just sort of interested in how does he handle all of this stuff, taking a year off, potentially a suspension. What does that look like on a football field? And maybe, you know, maybe he figures out another level and channels it. But I think there's, there's still, my point is this, there's still some risk here on the player, not just the person and coming in and getting all that sorted out. But to me, there's still some risk on the player. I think he's very good. He's a very, very good football player, and he was playing at a top-five level in 2020. But there's some risk here about how he adjusts to everything here, whether uh, the, 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 the situation with his personal life and how that makes – because it does impact everything, right? Like your ability to put forth your best clear mind in a game has to be there. You know, Some guys can channel it, but what I'm getting at is like a non-zero chance it could not still impact him, right? You know what I'm saying? Or am I sounding well, crazy? You're at – no, you're, and you're asking me, you know, is he worth $230 million guaranteed? Well, let me, let me ask you this. So he hasn't played in a year, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's had, you know, I, I, I don't know how much he's been, you know, what he's doing, what he's been able to do behind the scenes in terms of football, right? Well, let's, let's say hypothetically he gets suspended eight games this year, the first eight games. Um, that, that was the suspension that Kareem Hunt got. So now, you're, now he hasn't played in a year and a half. Are we just expecting him to come back and light it up right away? Yeah. You don't think there's going to be a little rust there? Yeah. Um, let, me, let me throw another scenario at you. Let's say that he doesn't get suspended this season. The civil lawsuits are not settled, though. And let's say the Browns, you know, they're like kind of a fringy playoff team, which is probably the, their median outcome for this year. Like they're, you know, the sixth best team in the AFC, right? Don't you think that's yeah, fraught, yeah. like when you're looking at all the other teams in the AFC, I think that's reasonable um, to expect. And so they don't get to the Super Bowl, and then he gets suspended next year, 10 games, and then you don't even make the playoffs in 2023. How are you feeling about that contract all of a sudden? Uh, because yeah. by the way, all these all this flexibility you have that is evaporated by the time we get to 2024. You are, you know, you're you're the you're the you're having to, you know, unload players that are good because you can't afford them anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think it was in a lot of ways, and, and I understand why the Browns felt like they had to do something bold and or desperate because let's face it in the AFC uh, they're not going anywhere before this trade. I mean, they just weren't. And I mean, even, even the best case of Baker Mayfield, let's say he's like the 12th best quarterback in the NFL. Are you beating Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen in three playoffs, three state playoff games? Like probably not likely not. Um, and so they were kind of stuck with a team that is ready to contend now, but because of how loaded the AFC suddenly has gotten, particularly quarterback, it's just like hard to see what the path was just to, just to get out of the AFC. Yeah. Um, you know, never mind beat the Rams, um, you know, the, the way that they've kind of reloaded again. So I, I think that, um, you know, they were in a tough spot. And so I understand why, you know, you would need to do something bold at quarterback, but this has the potential to backfire in multiple different ways on them uh, off the field, on the field. And then just from a financial standpoint, because of the, you know, the size of the contract. And I, I don't, I mean, Deshaun Watson at the press conference himself said, well, the money made no difference. I was coming to Cleveland regardless. Okay. Well, the, why, why, why was it 80 million more fully guaranteed? than any other player in NFL history. I mean, there's only five quarterback or five contracts, Jake, that were half as much as this one. Okay. This wasn't like, we're going to make you the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. This was, we're going to make you the highest paid quarter, highest paid player in the NFL by like double everybody else. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's going to have ramifications. Question. Yes. Spot it's going to have ramifications eventually. So I, I don't quite, I mean, I think likely that, Deshaun Watson's agent said this is what it's going to take to get him to come to Cleveland. And Cleveland's like, okay, but um, it is weird when people say the opposite and then you're supposed to take everything else they say at, at, at face value. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's a, that's a hell of a favor to give a guy. Like I know Jimmy Haslam's been on record saying that Andrew said this is the contract that will get it done. So my question is, if like you're saying, Deshaun said it wasn't the contract. Okay, so. Why did you feel the need to guarantee? And I get it. Most of these quarterback contracts, like Josh Allen's contract, that you're so good, Mahomes' contract, it does roll into becoming guaranteed. Was it? Was it literally? We just have the money to do this, and we just said, "Screw it." We just believe in him. Like I, I, we won't get that answer. You won't get that answer. But like, I would love to have some truth serum and understand why. Like the why behind the two thirty guarantee. Was it literally just Jimmy Haslam saying, "I have this money. I can put it in escrow, and it's over. I, I don't care. Give it to him." Or was there something more to it that truly we're not? We don't know. So that that's it's just, it's just that's by it. the way, Jake, to put this to put the, the risk the Browns have taken into context. I mean, the we didn't know that Deshaun Watson press conference was happening Friday or not because we didn't know what was gonna happen in that grand jury. Yeah. On the day before in Missouri County. And imagine if they I mean, imagine if, if that grand jury comes comes back and indicts Watson. What then? Yeah. You know, so um but the money is still the money at that point. Uh, I, I think he signed the contract technically on Friday, but I don't know what outs the Browns had at that point because, you know, the trade had already been um, consummated. So, like, there's no I, – I, I don't I don't know what they would have done. And there's no way unless they, you know – I mean, there's no way they knew what the, how the grand jury was going to decide for sure. None of us yeah. knew. No. You could have a lean, but you don't really know. You never. It's people. You're dealing with people. So um, – I try to do this, Jake. Like I did it before the year, uh, a podcast before 21, and it's not popular. Everybody's so positive. Everybody uh, is generally thinking the best thing is going to happen for their team. And I pointed out these different ways in which here's how the Browns could struggle. And here's if they fail, here's why Mayfield fails. And, of course, it didn't include an injury to his shoulder. But it was just here's how he fails, takes steps back. Here's what Stefanski could do wrong. Here's down the line. And I want to do that with Watson because as much as – Listen, I think he's a really, really, really good quarterback. He's an elite quarterback. I do think he's an elite quarterback on the football field. But there is a chance here there are unknowns at play that we don't know yet about how, A, Watson will react to Cleveland full-time, B, how Watson will react to the different character uh, attacks that are happening on him now. Does that impact him on a football field? There's a lot of mental stuff there that could happen. So I do like bringing both perspectives of this is not a no-risk football decision. 
Like they they didn't say there's no way these guys in the room said, well, we've got these allegations and the personal stuff is a risk, but the on-field stuff is an absolute utter slam dunk. I don't think you can say that. There are factors you have to look at to say cleanly like this is going to work like there there's no way you could look at the risk factor for some of the football field stuff and just presume i get it like you said and i I can totally agree they were in a hard spot anyway and they made a decision and this is the decision they made based on what was in front of them and the desperation of it all i get it i just want people to understand even the biggest watson supporters and baker mayfield haters air quotes i hate using that word but like haters is it's not as it's not a it's not a hundred percent slam dunk that this just all works out and it's a twelve win team over the next five years. Well, There's let me ask lot. you this, Jake. Let me let me ask you this. Okay, let's go, let's just look at the AFC. Let's assume Watson plays every game in twenty twenty two. Okay, mm-hmm. which is I think a pretty uh, you know that's a jump in of itself. Are you taking the Browns over Buffalo? It's incomplete picture right now. I can't. I they would be a betting. They would not be the betting favorite. No, they would not. I, okay. I can't. Would you take the Browns over the Bengals? I do which, think that's way, a coin toss. The, yeah, yeah. Which, by the I, way, went from having like the worst offensive line in the NFL to like above average, right? Yeah, what yeah. They they're, did? They're, they're, they've done a good job. I will say the Browns defensively match up pretty well with Cincinnati. If we get back Clowney, they they bring back Clowney. Some of those pieces. Right now, hard. I would say that's more coin flip. Uh, I hard, hard answer there. But I would say that's less a tilted scale than the Buffalo one is. Okay, Kansas City. Boy, Tyreek changed everything, didn't it? Um, I do think that they are going to be able to retool though with the draft. Of course, but let me phrase it this way: Do you fear Kansas City less than you did before they let go of Tyreek? Let me ask you that. No, you didn't. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I they're less scary. It was always like this inevitability with Kansas City. I still think they're going to be really, really good. I still think that they would be favored. I do think they'd be favored over Cleveland. So that's Buffalo, KC. The Bengals are sort of a coin flip. I do see where people could favor them, but I think Cleveland's matches up with their offense really well with the the status quo. But that's yeah, those are three teams in. You know, the Chargers would be one. Where do you sit with the Chargers? I, I mean, I'm taking I'm taking the Chargers over the Browns right now. I mean, just based on, I mean, I mean, Justin Herbert to me is kind of what Deshaun Watson was two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. That, I mean, he fair. is a you know, and and I, and I think their pass rush with their receivers, um, Denver uh, is going to be an absolute load this year. Um, you know, Vegas, I don't think you should overlook them. Um, and we've all you know through this early offseason, we're all talking about how like. Man, if the Browns got, you know, Carr, could that, you know, how would that look like? Or what would that look like? Uh, so, like, you know, and I think Indianapolis is going to be uh, a team to deal with, uh, yeah. with with Matt Ryan. Tennessee was the one seed last year. We don't even talk about them. Uh, you mentioned Tyreek Hill. I mean, the Miami Dolphins might have, correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, do they have the best receiving duo in the AFC, if not the NFL? It's the most – it's the most coverage-altering receiving core, put it that way. Yeah. They, they will yeah. make you do more things in coverage than anybody else will. I don't know if they'll outproduce, say, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, but they'll alter everything about how you play coverage. And that can really mean an offensive coordinator can dictate a lot of areas of the field that they can get to, uh, whether Tua can or Teddy, whoever ends up taking the ball there, can get there. That's the thing to see, but you're right. They're, this this is – and the Patriots got better. Could they keep getting better? I was going to ask you about the Patriots. Yeah. yeah. So, like, there are 13 teams that – and, and, like, you know, 
the Ravens are not going to have the same injury misfortune they had last year. Yeah. Uh, people do not remember at all that Lamar Jackson was the MVP two years ago. Yeah. Um, like their upside is still uh, enormous. And I mean, listen, like they might again, you know, uh, possess the worst playoff team in NFL history, but the Steelers kind of find a way. Right. And yeah. um, by, you know, you know, they, 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 that defense still has got good players on it. Point being, like, you could be better if you're Cleveland, significantly better, and still not make the playoffs because of where the AFC is right now. And there's going to be, like, three or four awesome teams that don't make the playoffs. Right, Jake? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that, 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 that's, that's, the tough, that, that's the tough spot that you are, that you are in. So, I mean, I, I think that um, – and, that, and that's, you know, if, if there's a Deshaun Watson suspension of any kind, like, I think that's it for the Browns. Yeah, I think um, that's for 2022. Fair. I just don't think they're going anywhere at that point. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Where, and even much like last year, if Baker was done and you had to play Case, that was it. I mean, it was it. You know, you you, you the the season was made or broke on whether Baker could get the job done or couldn't get it done. If you if you if you try to say Jacoby Brissett can hold the fort down for six, eight, ten games, it's like, eh, I don't think that's happening, man. It's going to be tough enough to hold the fort down when everybody's right. So. This is this is good. I will ask you this: like, if the the the, the last part of the question for me was framing uh, today was like framing, what do they have to do? So, if we're talking about these playoff teams, it's a perfect segue into what things, in your opinion, do they still have to do to get there? What spots? I think there's some obvious spots, but I want to hear if there's anything that you're thinking differently because we saw like Devonte Parker was traded this morning, and the Browns are sort of fluffing around a little bit here with this will. Will Fuller situation, and then it's like, okay, if you want Will Fuller, that tells me you don't believe in Donovan Peoples-Jones. So the wide receiver thing with Jarvis floating around, where do you think they really, really have to get better before they go into this year? Well, they've got to re-sign Clowney. If they don't re-sign Clowney, I mean, like, tell me tell me what you think of the defensive line outside Miles Garrett. It's got it's major not, problems, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, it's not, not, not a good, in good shape. Um, they've got to get a legit number two wide receiver in here. I, I mean, is that Jarvis Landry? Um, it, you know, is, is there a better fit out there? Is there somebody they could get in the draft? Like, you know, trade, trade into the back, you know, back into the first round, or is there somebody going to be, be around there in the second? I mean, uh, their receiving core, even with the Mari Cooper is, I mean, where does it rank in the NFL, Jake? I can't find it to be that high. I mean, I like Donovan a lot and, and, uh, Still, it, it, with without without anybody added outside of Amari, I would say the Browns were at the very bottom. I'm sure there's some teams I'm not thinking of because I don't really focus on other teams a ton that were at the bottom of the league last year. But I think you watched it, I watched it, everybody watched it. That was not that was not you know the the late '90s 49ers wide receiver group running around out there. So like, I, I mean, with Cooper, do they get to the mid 20s, low 20s? You, the, the, I, you, I, they gotta add, man. They, they gotta, they, gotta before get Cooper, guy. Before Cooper, they had the the worst receiving core yeah, in the NFL. I mean, that's their fair. receiving core was Schwartz, DPJ, and Jamarcus Bradley. And now you had Amari Cooper, who's like kind of a like. I think you could make the case that he's a number one, but he's not. You he's know, like a fringe. Uh, uh, yeah. He's fringe number one. So yeah. now I think, like best case scenario, you have like a top twenty two, twenty four receiving core. And that's probably being generous yeah. at this point. So they've got to get somebody else in there. And I'm, I'm not sure – I don't know what else is out there that's going to really vault them much higher. Um, so, 
Like those are the two things that stick out. Um, and you know, as good as this roster is, they, I mean, they still have some some pretty big holes that could become problematic for them once the season begins. I'm with it. It's going to be fascinating because people want answers right now, and I think, I think um, uh, Clowney signed like mid-April last year, so he's in. No I don't know rush. why he always waits so yeah. long to sign every year. It's very yeah. strange, but yeah. Yeah, it's like he's trying to, because he never got that second gigantic contract that most of those guys do, he's trying to always milk a dollar out of every city. And I, hey, I, do, you do your thing, man. I get it. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. They're in a really, really, really weird spot. I still think they're, they, I understand where they were coming from. I understand why they did it. And I think people have presumed that the acquisition of Watson automatically makes them now an elite among the AFC. And while I get where they have some good, good pieces – they're still missing, you know, I still am curious how they're creating a bunch of explosive plays because that's the thing they didn't have, the explosives. And they're running out of people to go get to get those. Now, you can draft one, but you're drafting at 44. I can promise you that none of the top five names of wide receiver we all talked about are going to be there. So then you're talking about, like, Sky Moore and Jahan Dotson. You're talking about these guys who might get snatched up because KC and Green Bay are at the end of the first round with multiple picks, and they need guys. So it gets even dicier. So I don't know. Is there a trade? I know they're in on I mean, Robert Woods, but like, you know. Right. Well, and that's the thing. You know, you look at guys they have. I mean, Kareem Hunt has got to be a bigger factor next year. Yes. Than, than what he's sort of been, at, even when he's played. Uh, but he's got to stay healthy. Um, and the way he runs, you know, you, you get nervous because so he just runs violent. so violently yeah. physically. And and then David Njoku uh, like they're getting ready to pay him. Well, he's got to like produce like a number one tight end now. Yeah. He hasn't done that since his, since uh, his, his second season when Baker Mayfield was a rookie, right? He just yep. hasn't, you know, he's been as inconsistent as anyone and the talent is there, but you know, it's just game to game. Did, did Njoku play this game? Like you, you, you can't even remember. Um, and maybe, you know, more three wide receiver sets will help him. Because uh, he's, you know, going to be the, you know, the lone tight end. I think a lot of, of times out there versus in the last couple of seasons. But like, they're probably going to need those. You know, if you're looking at this team, like, what can make it more explosive? It's probably not going to come from the outside at this point. You know, barring something unforeseen, it's going to be like those guys, a staying healthy and b like living up to, to their potential. Uh, at least in the case of Njoku. It's well said. They they definitely need David to get to a, a much higher level. Take the step from like the six seven hundred yard area after year two, like you're talking about, and jump in toward four figures of, of receiving yards. That's going to have to happen. We'll we'll see. Maybe the space, like you said, they go more eleven, they lose a little bit more of that thirteen, and go a little bit more twelve and eleven. They're gonna they're gonna give themselves more space, but. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's just the this has been a weird free it's been a weird off season and coupled with a lack of traction after the quarterback move has left me like very I don't know. I don't I'm running out of things to guess. I don't know. I don't know what moves are still floating out there uh, on the market that make splash like a splash thing here cuz your second and third round picks and your fourth round picks are not guys that are typically changing anything about your immediate outcome they're just they're just not it's not how it works you can get lucky here and there and find a digs or somebody like that but that's not usually the case so um i don't know i've ate 35 minutes of jake's time man i, I listen you should be following him make sure you are uh, you you know you know where to find him at espn he's one of the best doing this thing so anytime i can get some 
some minutes of your your thoughts on the Browns, man. We, you know, I appreciate it. The listeners of this pod do too, Jake. Appreciate that, Jake. Anytime, and uh, should be a very interesting rest of the year uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, they will not lack for uh, interesting. That is for sure. Thanks again, man. Yep, you got it. That is the understatement of the year for for your Cleveland Browns. They will never lack in interesting. So thanks to Jake Trotter. Plenty of great things in that conversation with him. I appreciate him taking some time on his weekend to have a conversation with me about uh, everything circling over this franchise. So again, huge shout out to him. Thanks to you guys for checking in on the weekend and a great week and a really, really record-breaking download podcast listen um, you know, our, our, our March for good or bad here, wherever you align on this, it was, it was great for this show in terms of you guys showing up and listening. So I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, over 22,000, uh, unique listeners to this show says a lot about the growth and I cannot, I really cannot thank you guys enough for that. So it means everything to me. I appreciate you supporting the website as well, the Twitch, And like I said, this podcast, guys, have a great weekend, Saturday or Sunday, whenever you listen to this, or perhaps Monday morning. I hope life finds you well. You stay well, and uh, we sign out with our usual. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.